Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms of Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Were you buckling up to see if I was going to throw something out at you again? Yes, I was. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I should do just a normal one and see how she reacts to that. So I'm going to keep you on your toes. I'm going to keep everyone on their toes. That's me. New me, new year. That doesn't even make sense. Don't worry. (laughs) I'll just forget. I'm going to forget and keep doing it. But yeah, I'm doing doing really well. My daughter turned 12 yesterday. And I cannot believe that. I know. I sent Mandy pictures and she's just totally, she's beautiful and sweet and smart and kind and really, really funny and um, also a preteen. So um, <laughs> <laughs> a tween. That's what oh my, my son gosh. says. He reminds me that he's a tween now. So. <laughs> to me, that sounds worse. I'm like, wouldn't you rather I agree. a preteen? <laughs> Sounds like a twerp. I'm like, I don't feel like that's nice. But I guess people don't say twerp anymore. So they probably don't realize, like, in my head, that's a negative word. Did people say twerp when you were younger? Am I just yes, getting this from the Wonder did. Years? Okay. No, <laughs> they did. I know. We should bring that one back. I mean, I guess that would not be about our kids. Me, but yeah, <laughs> not about our kids. But yeah, I would love to see a comeback of the word twerp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's somewhere between tween and twerk. I don't know. I think I think we should just let it go. We might we might yeah. let it go. <laughs> yeah, so we've been good. Yeah, we've been good too. Um yeah, we're enjoying this lovely gloomy day that we're having here today. Yeah. It's been kind of sunny, but now it's a little 
gloomy, which I don't actually mind. I feel like sometimes it like forces me to just not feel like I have to do anything, which is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're like, yeah, well, you look know, outside. we have to watch. Yeah, TV. right. Not that I need an excuse to not do anything, <laughs> but this <laughs> makes it a lot easier to tell myself that I don't have to do anything <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So last week we um, mentioned at the beginning of the show that we were going to be on the radio and Melissa, we did it. We were on the radio. We were so excited and so happy that we were invited to be on a corporate time with Tom and Dan. So if you are familiar with them, then you know how great they are and and how funny they are. And they were super nice to us and um, it was super fun. Yes. But there's so like we're used to this whole level of Mandy and I will say something to each other. And if we pause, I just go back in later and take out the pause. So there's like probably eight minutes of pauses I just take out every week of our thing. But they are so fast and on their feet and just go like you can tell they've done this for so long. And we're just like and we couldn't see each other. Mandy and I couldn't see each other. So it was like, who answers this question? And then I'd panic and it was a whole thing. But it was it was a lot of fun. I'm not selling that right. It was so much fun and they were so great. But it's a whole different bird being on the radio. Is that the right word? I don't even know if that's the right yeah. word. It's a different thing. And so they also have a podcast. If you look up A Corporate Time with Tom and Dan, the podcast, it's on there from the January 21st episode. And they were so nice. They're local to us. And it was really cool to connect with local podcasters because most people don't know that we're from – I mean, some people know that we're from Florida. You guys know that we're from Florida. But if you just see our name, you don't know that we're from Florida. So it was news. it was news to them as well. Yeah, it was great. It was a really good time. And also, we had the live show that was scheduled on February 4th in Chicago, our reschedule. And unfortunately, you guys should, if you had a ticket to that, you will have received an email from Chicago Winery. By the way, it says Sinead O'Connor is canceled. So if you were like, I wasn't going to see Sinead O'Connor, and then you were excited you were going to, it's actually a cancellation for us. I don't know how that happened exactly, but our show, unfortunately, is canceled at this point. They're not really doing a whole lot at the winery right now, so... It's not happening, but we came up with a plan. And is it a great plan? We don't know. Most of our plans are just trying to help us get by. But we are going to do, if you had a ticket to the live show, I'll put in the show notes a link to get a refund for your ticket if you haven't already, or you can get a credit for there, whatever you want to do. But if you will email us at momsliveshowcurse at gmail.com, because clearly this thing is cursed, uh, a copy of your ticket, we're going to do a live Zoom show on the same night at eight o'clock. And so this is only for people who bought tickets for the Chicago show and have now been canceled on twice. We're going to do a live show. Mandy and I were just talking about the case that we're going to do. We'll open it up for discussion. Hopefully be a really good time with everyone. Um, So that will be on February 4th. And I think we're going to do 8 p.m. Same time as a show so we can keep it consistent. So if you already didn't have plans, well, now you have plans. You will be with us. Yeah. So hopefully that works out well for you guys. And we are so, so sorry. And I mean, really, it was just when we found out about it, we were it was a panicked day. It was just a total guilt, feeling terrible, all the emotions, none of them good. Where's my word a day calendar? It was just a rough, (laughs) it was a rough one. So we're so sorry, but um, we hope this is a way to try and make it up to those of you who were scheduled to come see us. And I think this will be even more fun. It'll be, I mean, because I can be home. I'm always better when I'm at home. I mean, just I'm more likable. I feel like uh, if you take me out of my house, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Please, let's get move yeah. on to something else. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. So we'll just get right into um, the episode for this week then. So when I say Craigslist, Melissa, what is the first thing that you think of? Do you think of like, do you think of wholesome things or do you think <laughs> maybe not so wholesome things? 
I am terrified. I had a crazy Craigslist story that I did. I ever tell you this Craigslist story? I'll just say it really fast where I was trying to buy my husband a gaming system years ago, like years and years ago. And I got a hold of this guy and he said, I'll, this is what I think of with Craigslist. This is where my thing is going. He said, oh yeah, you can buy it. Come here at whatever time. And I was like, okay, I'll meet you at the college. And it's a surprise. So I can't tell my husband, my husband can't go with me. And then I say, okay, my dad's going to come with me. He was in town and he wrote back and just canceled. He was like, oh, that's okay. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so I'm still convinced to this day that I was going to be murdered for buying like a Super Nintendo or something. (laughs) It was something so old, but it was, it like all changed really fast. So after that, I was like, I'm not doing anything on Craigslist. It just, it scares me. I'm a worrier, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, so I don't think I have the happy moment you were looking for there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I also remember the days when I used to use Craigslist for various things. It was actually founded in 1995 by this guy named Craig Newmark. And when it first started, it was just for things that were happening and going on, you know, and for sale. It just classifies around the San Francisco Bay Area. But then it blew up and became this whole website where, you know, it's in most of the big cities, I think, have a Craigslist page for their city. I used to go on there and search for jobs when I was a teenager. I would look for like pets for sale, of course. Of course, that's what I would use (laughs) Craigslist for. I would look for puppies and kittens for sale, looking for cars for sale. But that was back when Craigslist was pretty legitimate still. And you could actually find the things that you were looking for back before it kind of became this back alley of the internet, which I hate putting it that way. But I feel like it's true. I feel like everybody knows now that Craigslist I, you just wouldn't go to Craigslist to get certain things anymore. You would just definitely go to a, a place that was more, I don't even know what the word I I'm feel like for. now they changed it. It's it's kind of, everything kind of evolves. And I feel like it went from Craigslist and now Facebook Marketplace seems to be the bigger place that people are doing stuff like this. Same idea, but it seems like, I mean, Craigslist, their website, no offense to Craigslist, it has not been updated since it was created. It's still since 1995. Like MS-DOS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel... <laughs> I feel like I need to put like a command in there to get anywhere on it. So I feel like people have just naturally moved more to Facebook Marketplace. Maybe people still use Craigslist, but you're right. Like it it does feel like it's like when MySpace came around with Facebook. You're like, oh, I'm not doing MySpace anymore. Now we've got Facebook. It feels like a natural progression. And and people, for the most part, I feel like, do people use Craigslist anymore? Do we know if people I use Craigslist? I don't know. Yeah, Is it right. even up Tell anymore? Us. Tell us if you use <laughs> Craigslist. Um, because, yeah, I feel like it used to be a very nice website that you could find things that you need, classified ads. The other thing I find with Craigslist is that there is, it's completely anonymous and you really have no idea who you're talking to. So I feel like that kind of paves the way for some more questionable and possibly illegal activity taking place on there because there isn't this, like you said, on Facebook, you can see, you can still get weirdos on Facebook, but at least you have a name sometimes and a face even maybe. And it just feels a little bit more secure and a little bit more safe. And there's really no shortage of stories about Craigslist ads that have turned into scary situations, including human trafficking, assaults, and even murders. Personally, when I think of what a Craigslist killer type of person might be like, I'm picturing like a middle-aged creepy looking guy like Dennis Rader or Ed Kemper, one of those types. But as we've seen since the inception of the internet, dangerous people can actually come in all ages and all forms. Today's episode is about how a Craigslist singles ad turned into a shocking murder in 2013, and the perpetrators really were not who you would expect. It was almost lunchtime on November 12th, 2013, when a woman named Brittany Settler was fixing herself a warm cup of coffee on a cool fall day. While she was going through the motions and gathering her creamer and sugar, she glanced out the window and saw something strange that immediately caught her attention. 
Upon closer inspection, Brittany realized that what she was seeing was the body of a man lying on the ground and covered in blood. Amazingly, it was actually so late in the morning and it didn't appear that anyone else had alerted the police. So Brittany immediately dialed 911 and when investigators arrived, a bizarre case began to unfold. It quickly became apparent that the man was dead and had been for hours. His skin was blue and he was found clutching a set of keys, but he wasn't found with any identification, which of course is going to make the start of an investigation that much more difficult. The victim did have a cell phone, but it was protected with a password, so they weren't able to access the contents of the phone. The first thing detectives have to do is identify who their victim is before they can start to investigate the events that led to their death. In this case, they didn't have an immediate idea who the victim was. That was until his cell phone rang and one of the officers answered the call. It was a frantic woman named Colleen LaFerrera, and she was looking for her husband, Troy. Things take a devastating turn when she was told that her husband had just been found dead. Troy LaFerrera was found with 20 stab wounds on his body and appeared that he had been strangled, but it was believed that he had been murdered at another location and dumped where he was discovered that morning. Residents of that area hadn't seen or heard anything unusual, and there was no blood or other trail leading away from the scene, so police had to dig into the background and circumstances surrounding this case in other ways. Troy was born on June 20th, 1971 in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. He was raised in Port Treverton, and after high school, he went off to Penn State, where he pursued a degree in civil engineering, which he did obtain. He went on to earn licenses as a professional engineer, a professional land surveyor, and a sewage enforcement officer, and he worked as the senior resident engineer at the Lycoming County Landfill. He was highly respected at his job, and he was known for being direct without being rude. Troy was a real outdoorsman who loved hunting, archery, and shooting with rifles. He actually loved hunting so much that even when it was off-season, he would get his fill by watching hunting shows or practicing his target shooting. He actually owned over a hundred different hunting rifles and pistols, but Troy never hunted for sport. He only hunted to get food, to have things to eat. Troy tested the waters with online dating and met the love of his life, Colleen, who was 10 years younger than him. Colleen liked older men, and she knew as soon as she started talking to Troy that he was the one for her. But they took their relationship slow, and it wasn't until eight years in that the two of them finally got married. The relationship was very loving, just like Troy's other relationships, such as the ones that he had with his mom and his sister. From the outside looking in, Troy seemed to have a pretty peaceful and satisfying life. But what his friends and family didn't know was that Troy was kind of living a double life, and it was what he was doing in secret that ultimately put his life in danger. Even though Troy had this happy life and this loving marriage, for him, something was still missing. For several years, it had been a thing for Troy to seek the companionship of other women and to pay exotic dancers for private performances. Troy would put out a classified ad stating that he was willing to pay a woman for their company, and one of the places he would put these ads was on Craigslist. And in November of 2013, he posted one such ad. A woman named Miranda responded to the ad and offered to meet Troy for dinner in exchange for $100. But Miranda wasn't the typical type of companion that Troy usually met up with. Miranda was much, much different, and she had a different idea in mind than just meeting up with Troy for dinner. Miranda Barber was nowhere near Troy's age. She was just 19 years old at the time she responded to his ad, and Troy was 42. 
Miranda was actually a very troubled young woman who had been dealt a really terrible hand in life and began a downward spiral at the age of five after being the victim of repeated sexual abuse. At some point, Miranda was introduced to the practice of Satanism, and she latched on at an early age. Her teen years were a wild ride, and it all led to this meeting between herself and Troy LaFerrera. This wasn't the first time Miranda had responded to personal ads where men were offering money to meet up with a woman, but this time was going to be different. And that's because Miranda had decided that she was going to murder someone just for the thrill of it. This was an idea she didn't arrive at alone. It was something that she discussed and pre-planned with her 23-year-old husband, Elliot Barber. There's really no way to understand how these two came to this absolutely horrific idea without going back and explaining the events in Miranda's life that led up to this point. As we said before, she got a pretty rough start in life, beginning when she was diagnosed with developmental dysplasia at the age of two and placed in a cast to repair her dislocated hips, and she had to wear this cast until she was four years old. But little kids are very resilient, and Miranda was a happy child nonetheless. That is, until her Aunt Melissa and her husband Rick moved to the same neighborhood where Miranda's parents lived. Aunt Melissa was Miranda's maternal aunt, and she was married to a U.S. Army soldier named Richard Fernandez. He went by Rick. They had a son who was Miranda's age, so the families were really happy to be closer so that these cousins could grow up together. In an absolutely terrible turn of events, living closer to this family became a literal nightmare for Miranda and her sister Ashley. Uncle Rick was always very facilitating and encouraging of these young girls coming over for sleepovers and playdates, but he had very disgusting and sinister motives for this. And the two girls, who at the time Miranda was four and her older sister was six, they were repeatedly forced to endure sexual abuse at the hands of Rick. Miranda and Ashley's mom, Elizabeth, had also been sexually abused as a child, and as a result, she was very careful and very picky about who she allowed her daughters to be alone with. But, of course, she never would have expected that her own sister's husband would turn out to be a sexual predator. When the girls finally spoke out and confided in their mom that they were being abused, Elizabeth was devastated. After having been through this same experience herself, she was completely heartbroken and so angry that her little girls had been the victims of the same kind of life-changing crime. The police were notified of the abuse, and an investigation revealed an entire book that Rick had written that encouraged uncles, fathers, and grandfathers to engage in sex acts with their young nieces, daughters, and granddaughters. And the types of assaults that he wrote about in this book were the same things that he actually did to Miranda and her sister Ashley. Oh my gosh. Just incredibly awful. When I was learning about this part of the story, I was like, I just could not. It's just horrifying. You can't even imagine this happening in your family. He was arrested on five counts of sexual abuse and taken to jail, and Miranda's family packed up and moved away from the area and settled in an Alaskan borough. Although her parents tried to create a normal life after the abuse, Miranda had a harder time recovering from the trauma. Over the next several years, we're talking about a five to 10-year-old child here, she had these repeated disturbing thoughts and nightmares. For example, she started having this recurring dream that she killed her pet bird, Henry, And in real life, Henry lived in her bedroom and she loved this bird. So these dreams of hurting him were really upsetting to her. Eventually, these nightmares continued. And one morning, Miranda awoke to realize that she did indeed kill her pet sometime in the night, but she could not remember doing it and didn't know why. She started to realize then that something was very wrong with her psychologically. But at this point, she was just 10. So she couldn't really verbalize or express what she was feeling or what she was going through. 
At the impressionable age of 12, Miranda befriended some kids who were in some kind of gang that was based on Satanism, or so they thought. She rapidly fell in with this crowd and began using drugs and having sex, and eventually she started being very defiant and running away from home for maybe three days at a time. Miranda's mom seemed really overwhelmed by all of this and really just didn't want to deal with it or know how. So it was Miranda's older sister, Ashley, who showed more concern. But of course, she's a kid herself, so there wasn't much that she could actually do. And then things got much worse and a lot scarier and more bizarre. And we're going to get into more details of this case after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. It's 2021 and we're shopping for everything from groceries to bras online. So why shouldn't shopping for our home essentials be that easy and convenient? Thanks to Grove Collaborative, now it can be. That's because Grove is the online marketplace to buy all your sustainable home essentials and have them delivered right to your door. Grove believes going green shouldn't have to be hard and that's why they take the guesswork out of going green. I was able to easily navigate Grove's site with thousands of categories, including things like home, beauty, and personal care products, and they're all guaranteed to not only be good for you, but good for your family, your home, and the planet. One of my all-time favorite Grove products is the Grove Co. Daily Shower Cleaner. I'm not going to call my family lazy, but my lazy family will even use a spray after taking showers, and it helps remove soap scum without me killing myself trying to scrub it down. Nothing makes me happier than being able to buy that and my Mrs. Meyers Room Freshener Spray all at one place at Grove.co. Join Mandy and I plus over 2 million households who trust Grove Collaborative to make our homes healthier and happier. Plus, shipping is fast and free on your first order, so you can go grab those things you're running low on right now and get them right away. Make your home healthier this new year. For a limited time, when our listeners go to grove.co slash mm, you will get a free Mrs. Meyers gift set plus free shipping with your first order a $30 value, but you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co slash mm to get this exclusive offer. That's grove.co slash mm. I watch a lot of trash TV. You know the type, Real Housewives, Love After Lockup, Jersey Shore. They are all my guilty pleasures. But do you know what I feel exactly zero guilt about? Playing Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a match three puzzle game that gives me endless entertainment right at my fingertips. And best of all, I can even play it while watching trash TV in the background. I love rearranging my fiends to see if I can pass an especially tricky level. And although Best Fiends is an individual game, I am a little bit competitive and enjoy checking in with my friends who are playing just to make sure I'm ahead of them. Best Fiends is not only my go-to boredom buster, but it's a blast to play and free to download. Speaking of boredom, you'll never be bored with Best Fiends because new levels, events, and challenges are added all the time so you can always play one more level. As a mom, I'll take my wins wherever I can get them. And sometimes those wins are in the form of beating a level of Best Fiends. I've played over 1,100 levels of Best Fiends and I never get bored because Best Fiends keeps things interesting and challenging with new levels and themes. So it's a great way for me to kill a few minutes while enjoying a break from all of those other adulty things. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about Miranda and what she was getting involved in, and she had joined this satanic gang, and her mom was really concerned, but it didn't seem like a whole lot was being done to help Miranda. So after one of Miranda's day-long stints away from home, she came back with a swastika carved on the back of her neck and the name 
Forrest carved on her thigh. And she told her mom that this man, Forrest, was now her quote unquote owner. Oh my gosh. I cannot imagine this, my 13-year-old coming home and having these things and and telling me that some man is her owner. Like that would just be terrifying. Right. Well, and then these are permanent, you know, she's carving these things into her body. So what you're doing now is still going to be there 30 years from now. You know, like your right. brain isn't fully developed, but you're making these really big decisions that are obviously not in your best interest and are terrible. And yeah, as a mom, I can't imagine seeing these things um, happening right in front of your eyes. So again, at this time, Miranda is 13 or 14 years old and this guy Forrest is 25. And Miranda tells her mom that Forrest was essentially her quote unquote pimp and that she had been soliciting herself. But now she said that Forrest went from being her pimp to being her ruler, her words. The rest of Miranda's teen years were spent on a fast path to self-destruction. She stopped attending school regularly and she became aggressive and violent and would make up these stories of violence that became so realistic that people couldn't tell whether she was making it up or telling the truth. But she was also violent and got into physical fights at school. And this is kind of crazy, but we're in Alaska and Miranda apparently punched Willow Palin, who is the daughter of Sarah Palin. She punched her once. Apparently, she did not like her and evidently punched her in the face one day, which led to her being suspended from school. With Miranda's mom turning the other cheek to her behaviors, they only continued to worsen, and Miranda began lying about anything and everything to manipulate people into getting her way. This behavior had a lot to do with the fact that Miranda had become addicted to a very hard drug, heroin, and the only way to support her habit was to lie and manipulate her way through. Drugs take a toll on a person regardless of their age, but it's especially dangerous for developing minds. So when Miranda's using these heavy drugs, her mental health quickly deteriorates. But she actually recognized that there was something going on and she even knew that it was bad, but she instead chose to embrace it and all her involvement in Satanism made it easier for her to do that. Throughout the years, Miranda made attempts on her own life more than once and regularly harmed herself by cutting. When she was 13, her parents sent her to an inpatient facility to be treated for her drug abuse, as well as to get help from Miranda's emerging mental health issues. Well, at the center, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and sent home with prescriptions for Prozac, Adderall, and Seroquel. But that wasn't the last time she would spend time at the behavior center. She was really in and out of there for the next several years, but none of the stays seemed to really lead her onto a more productive path. The issues that Miranda's parents were dealing with became too much, and when she was 16, her parents got divorced. To make matters even worse, at the same time that her parents are divorcing, Miranda came home one day and told her mom that she was pregnant. And somehow things just continued to get worse and worse from there. Miranda's mom, Elizabeth, had really come to the end of her rope. Between her daughter's behavior and the end of her marriage, she was on the brink of a total breakdown herself. And she also began using drugs, alcohol, and having these casual encounters with men to kind of cope with everything that was going on. At a time when Miranda's parents should have been advocating and fighting for their daughter's life, it was Miranda who eventually reached out to someone to help for the family. She wrote into the very popular afternoon TV show, Dr. Phil, and begged him to help her family. Her letter to Dr. Phil is really hard to read because you really get a feel for what life was actually like for Miranda at this time. And it's not a very long letter, so I'm just going to read it here. She wrote, Dear Dr. Phil, Ever since my parents divorced, my mom has become a pill-popping drunk. She meets random men off the internet and has them come over. They send her stuff to our home address. 
She also claims to have stage three cancer, but won't stop drinking or taking all the pills. She doesn't care to live anymore. She tells my sister and me that every day. She just also had two seizures and now has a seizure disorder and still doesn't care to change her behaviors. She's so verbally abusive and it hurts so much. I just want my mom. I'm 17 and pregnant and my sister is 20 and engaged. If things keep going the way they are, she's going to kill herself. I'm at a loss of how to help her. She's in denial about everything. I'm begging for help. Please. Thank you for listening, Miranda. Although she did get a response from the Dr. Phil team, she declined to pursue the potential help that they were offering her and she never actually wrote them back. Man, that's so sad to be at the end of your rope at that age to be like, these things are so terrible. I don't know what else. What else do you do as a kid? You know, Dr. Phil's on TV. You'd write him a letter. Right. You know, that makes sense. But man, that's so much to be going through. Around this time, a judge stepped in and ordered that Miranda move in with and be under the guardianship of her uncle in North Carolina. Miranda had the odds stacked against her being well into her pregnancy and struggling with the various issues that had clouded her life up to this point. But moving to North Carolina actually seemed to be doing her some good in the very beginning. Being in a new place, away from all the negative influences back at home, provided an opportunity for Miranda to really change and turn her life around. In June of 2012, Miranda gave birth to her daughter, Aria, and she quickly formed a healthy bond with a newborn. Unfortunately, this turn in a positive direction was really short-lived. Just before Miranda gave birth to her daughter, she met a man named Elliot Barber. Elliot was a pretty normal, quiet guy who still lived at home with his very religious, very tight-knit family. He was what some might describe as an awkward, nerdy type, which just means that he was smart and played trombone in the high school marching band. But he and Miranda had something in common when they first met, and that was that they were both about to become parents for the first time. Elliot was dating a woman named Amy, who was also in the late stages of pregnancy. So Miranda, Amy, and Elliot all became friends, and the two women delivered their babies just months apart. But as we all know, new babies are hard for even experienced parents, and it can be doubly hard for very young, first-time parents. Unfortunately, Elliot coped with the stress of this new baby by taking drugs. And on one particular night, he took ecstasy, and according to his girlfriend Amy, he quote-unquote lost his mind. Elliot was allegedly never the same again after this, and he began drinking alcohol and smoking pot more, as well as fighting with Amy so much that she was ready to dump him. It was just a little while later that Elliot and Miranda got together and started a relationship of their own. Although Elliot was familiar with Satanism, he always had a bit of a different take on it than what Miranda did. Amy said that Elliot believed that Satanism was about believing in yourself and not oppressing the instincts that you were born with, and he never thought of it as a reason or a means to be scary or violent. But Miranda showed him another more sadistic and even masochistic side of things. When she turned 18, she and Elliot eloped with two of her friends as witnesses, and they didn't tell anybody that they were getting married, and the news came as quite a shock to everybody who found out, including Miranda's parents and Amy, who was the mother of Elliot's baby. Right after getting married, Elliot and Miranda packed up everything they owned and took off. They moved to Pennsylvania and lived with a friend who was a mother of two, and at the time that they moved in with her, she was currently on parole. Needless to say... Life wasn't what you would describe as great for this young family. Before the move to Pennsylvania, Miranda was working at a grocery store in North Carolina, but the income she earned at that job wasn't enough to make ends meet. For years, another way that Miranda earned an income was through soliciting herself and her companionship to men in exchange for money. 
this is something that Elliot was aware of, and he was even supportive of her decision to do this. Miranda would browse the classifieds looking for men seeking women, and she would respond to them offering her time. This was sometimes quite lucrative for her. She would make anywhere from $50 to $850 an hour on these encounters. So Elliot later claimed that Miranda never had sexual contact with her clients and that she was only there for true companionship. So he said that she would meet up with them for dinner or just to hang out and talk, but he insisted that sex had absolutely nothing to do with any of this and that what Miranda was doing was not illegal. So this is how Miranda eventually met Troy LaFerrara. But how did this simple meeting with a stranger for cash end with the death of a man? The details of how we get from point A to point B are just so senseless and hard to believe, and we're going to get right back into the rest of the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I've been married for almost 14 years, and to this day, when someone mentions a wedding, I still flash back to all those years ago when I was trying to choose invitations and vendors, and it sends a chill up my spine. Planning a wedding can be hard, but Zola makes it easy. Join over 1 million couples who have already planned their weddings with Zola because Zola makes planning weddings easier and more importantly, less stressful by giving you and your future spouse everything you need all in one easy to navigate place. Everything from your vendors to save the dates and registry, Zola's got you covered. Zola makes it so easy to find pre-screened wedding vendors in your area while giving you personalized recommendations based on your style and budget. So you can feel like Beyonce without paying Beyonce prices. Zola is also a great place to find beautiful and affordable designs for your invitations, as well as free change the date cards if you found that you needed them. I think one of the biggest perks of using Zola is being able to create a beautiful website that's the easiest way to share the details about your big day, as well as updates. You can even host virtual events for free. The website includes a frequently asked questions page where you can answer those awkward questions about plus ones without having to really answer those questions to someone's face. Plus, guests are able to shop your registry all right there on your site. Zola's registry is so fun and so easy to use, and you can choose to register for gifts, cool experiences, and cash funds all in one place. And you can use those cash funds for anything you're needing or wanting, like for your honeymoon, a charity, or even towards a new home. Plus, you can access support with a human advisor, not an AI, 24-7. Go to Zola.com slash moms today and use promo code SAVE50. That's SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. You can also get free personalized paper samples before you purchase. That's Zola.com slash moms promo code SAVE50. It's been freezing outside, even by Florida standards. So while I have the heat running at night, I don't want to wake up feeling like I'm on fire like that dog in the middle of the I'm fine memes. For hot sleepers like me, even these cooler months can lead to feeling too hot at night. And a hot night's sleep is not a good night's sleep, which is why I'm a big believer in my Eucalypso home sheets. Whether you're a hot sleeper or a cold sleeper, we know you guys exist too, Eucalypso has made it their mission to keep you comfortable while you get your beauty sleep, thanks to their light and naturally temperature-regulating sheets. They are so comfortable and so breathable. In fact, they are three times more breathable than cotton and 70% more moisture wicking, which means less laundry for me. Eucalypso sheets are the definition of soft and are made from 100% organic eucalyptus fibers, which also makes them earth-friendly. But wait, there's more. Eucalypso sheets are not only comfortable and cool, but also hypoallergenic. It will leave you asking yourself, are we living in the future? I don't know for sure, but if we are, don't tell me. I like this timeline with my Eucalypso home sheets. Find them at eucalypsohome.com. Go to eucalypsohome.com and use promo code MOMS for 10% off plus free shipping on your entire purchase. 
Again, that's E-U-C-A-L-Y-P-S-O-H-O-M-E.com and use code MOMS. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about Miranda going online and looking for these men that were willing to pay money to her for companionship. Elliot knows about it, and he's fine with it, and he sees it as a source of income. But behind closed doors... Miranda and Elliot's relationship was definitely a little different. We mentioned before that they both practiced some form of Satanism, or at least what they thought was Satanism, but they were into other things that some people would probably find disturbing, such as bloodletting. They would intentionally cut themselves and got pleasure from seeing and playing in their own blood. It was pretty early on in the relationship, though, when Miranda and Elliot began discussing something horrific. They wanted to know what it was like to kill someone. Neither of them had any reason or motive to do such a thing. They just decided that they wanted to and that they were going to do it. And what better way to find a random victim than by luring one to you through the internet? That day started off like any other for Troy LaFerrera. He kissed his wife goodbye like he did every morning. But on this particular day, it was almost like Troy had a sense that something terrible was going to happen. On his way out the door on November 11th, 2013, he said to his wife, quote, if anything ever happens to me on my way to work, I want you to know that I always love you, end quote. Later that day, Troy did as he had done many times before and logged into Craigslist in search of a woman to spend an hour or two with later that night. When he logged on that day, he saw that he'd received a reply from someone on an ad he had posted just a few days prior, and that person was Miranda. Even though a few days had passed, Troy decided to reach out to Miranda anyway and see if she was available that evening. 
Before meeting up with her, Troy visited his elderly mom, ate dinner with her, and then spent some time on the computer before he headed out to meet Miranda at around 8.15 that night. The plan for that night was for Miranda to meet Troy in the mall parking lot and pick him up in her car. And from there, they were going to drive to a rental property that Troy owned and was renovating at the time. He said that he bought this house from his mom for $1 and he had these big plans to remodel it. But in reality, the house was used for nothing more than taking women for sexual encounters. And he never actually started any renovating. As it would turn out, the day that Troy reached out to Miranda looking for this date, it just so happened that it was Elliot's birthday and Miranda already had plans to have dinner with him and to celebrate his day. But when Troy popped up asking to meet, Miranda and Elliot decided that it was a great night to go forward with their previously discussed plan to find a random person and murder them. Little did Troy know, but he was being set up to walk right into his own demise. While coming up with this murder plot, Miranda and Elliot discussed what role each of them would play in the murder. It was going to be Miranda's job to lure the victim in, and then both of them would participate in the killing. Since Miranda was driving to pick up Troy, they decided that she would have a code word that she would use when she was ready for Elliot to move in and make the first attack. For their plan, Elliot would be hiding in the backseat of Miranda's car, covered up by a blanket when she picked Troy up from the mall. He would stay there waiting until Miranda said the code word, and then he would spring up from the backseat and start strangling Troy from behind to subdue him. From there, the plan was that Miranda would stab Troy to death. All of this for absolutely no reason at all other than the thrill of doing it, which I, in these kind of cases, I, you just can't even wrap your head around just why somebody would do this. I no. mean, they're really, and just to say like there was no reason, like that is not a satisfying answer to to hear that some, that they actually just did this for absolutely no reason. No. So that evening, Troy communicated with Miranda through texts and eventually did find her waiting for him in the mall parking lot. After they introduced themselves, Troy got into Miranda's car and they started driving, with Troy completely unaware that Elliot was waiting in the back seat. After Troy got in the car, he started making small talk with Miranda as they drove towards his rental house. It was only about six miles away, so Miranda knew that she didn't have long to act if she was going to go through with this plan to murder this man that she had only met moments ago. Just a few minutes into the drive, Miranda said the code words, which were, have you seen the stars tonight? And with that, the murder was in motion. Elliot appeared from the back seat with a cord and tightly wrapped it around Troy's neck. Troy immediately began fighting for his life inside the car, and at one point it was becoming difficult for Elliot to keep control over the situation. Troy managed to throw a punch that hit Elliot and caused him to lose the hold he had on him, but that's when things even became more chaotic. Miranda grabbed the knife that she'd brought along and started stabbing Troy numerous times. In total, she stabbed him 20 times before the attack was through. At some point, Miranda and Elliot realized that there was traffic on the road nearby and they were causing quite a ruckus, so they knew they had to quickly get Troy out of the car and to get out of there as fast as possible. At this point in time, Troy was still alive and gasping for breath, just barely clinging to life. Miranda drove the car around the Sunbury area until she found a place to leave Troy in an alleyway. After they pulled him out of the car, they robbed him. Miranda took Troy's wallet and cash out of his pockets and then got back in the car and drove off, leaving tire tracks on the road in her haste. After they left, they went to a local Walmart to buy supplies to clean up the evidence left in Miranda's car. And then they went out to celebrate Elliot's birthday. Incredibly, while they were on the way to a nightclub, Miranda was pulled over by an officer because she had a busted taillight. 
She was issued a ticket, but the officer had no idea that Miranda and Elliot had just murdered a man inside that very car mere hours later. The two of them left and partied the night away. The next day, after the couple finally woke up from their long night, they decided to take a drive back to Sunbury to find the location where they had dumped Troy's body, just so they could see what was going on over there. When they arrived, they saw that there were police there processing the scene, so they parked the car at a distance and watched for a while. In the meantime, police were actively searching for any clues that would lead them to answers about how Troy ended up dead in this alleyway. One of the first things they did was look through his computers, and they learned that Troy regularly contacted women with the sole purpose of paying them for sex. They also learned early on that the unoccupied home that he owned was where he took these women. The more they dug on Troy's computer, the more obvious it became that Troy had met up with many women in the past, but they couldn't quite narrow them down to a group of possible suspects in the murder until they were finally able to crack the code on Troy's cell phone. This is where the big break really came in. Once they had access to the phone, they saw that Troy's final call was to a North Carolina phone number that was owned by Elliot Barber. This was rather surprising to the officers because they were expecting it to be a woman. The address attached to the cell phone account came back to Elliot's parents' house. But when the police tried dialing the number, at first they didn't get an answer. But then on a second attempt, a woman answered and told the officer that they had the wrong number. But the police weren't done digging into this, and with some good detective skills, they were actually able to use the number to identify Miranda as being the primary user of the phone. Even though nothing was in her name, she had previously listed that phone number as her contact number when she transferred her vehicle registration from North Carolina to Pennsylvania. So once the police had Miranda's name, they were able to find out the current address where she and Elliot were living. Although there was plenty of evidence that suggested that Miranda and Elliot had something to do with Troy's murder, police still didn't have anything they could arrest them on. Surveillance footage from the mall parking lot showed Troy arriving in his truck and then getting into an SUV, but the footage was so grainy that nothing about the SUV or the driver was recognizable. I feel like that should be a goal for 2021. Let's get all of our CCTV or whatever it's called footage up to par because right. what is the freaking yes. point if we can never see anything? It's it's. Impossible. I agree. I know. I like, what's the point? And it really is crazy how it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's crazy to me that it's not clearer with all the technology we have. And like, we definitely have the capability to have crystal clear cameras and stuff to get good surveillance footage. So it really is mind boggling that we still have the grainy footage, you know, that we're trying to figure out what's even happening. You know, when we look at this stuff, my ring camera is just makes me look like a terrifying monster every time I walk by it. It's so clear, <laughs> but it's showing the real picture. I mean, let's put some ring doorbells out there. I don't know what, what to do, right. but it's crazy. So police started asking other local businesses if they could look through their surveillance footage in hope that they would see the same or similar SUVs somewhere else and get a clearer picture. And that's when things really started to come together for the investigation. They spotted the SUV at the Walmart later that night, and surveillance from inside the store captured Elliot as he walked down various aisles, grabbing things like cleaning products and garbage bags, paper towels, and seat covers. Officers contacted Miranda and Elliot in hopes of getting them to talk, and lucky for them, Miranda volunteered to be interviewed without a fight. But of course, she asked for a lawyer as soon as she got to the police station, but then she decided to talk to the police without a lawyer anyway. At first, she denied knowing who Troy was, but investigators confronted her with a computer and phone records that showed that Miranda had agreed to meet with Troy that night. 
According to officers, the nature of the ad that she responded to and their messages led them to believe that this was going to be a sexual encounter, but Miranda insisted that it was just dinner. Either way, regardless of what Miranda was meeting Troy for, the fact remained that she was the last person he spoke to before he died, and that did not look good. Officers asked Miranda point blank if she had anything to do with this murder. She became very defensive and said that she never met up with Troy, and since she wasn't under arrest, she told the police that she wanted to leave. They said, yeah, sure, you're free to go, but we need your phone. And that's when Miranda lost it. Officers had to physically wrestle her phone out of her hands. She then stormed out of the police station and went home. Later that same day, Elliot was brought in separately for his own interview. He told the police that as far as he knew, what Miranda did on the side for money was just meeting up with men for nothing other than companionship. He said that if Troy's number was on her phone, then it didn't mean anything other than that he was a potential client of Miranda's. And he told the police that they should not be suspicious of his wife and that there was no way she had killed anyone. He even pretended to be just as upset as the police when he found out that Miranda may have made plans to meet Troy on the night of Elliot's birthday. And he said to the police, quote, well, it looks like I'm going to have to have a long talk with her when I get home. Miranda then picked Elliot up from the police station and they went to a friend's house. The two of them broke down and told their friend everything that happened and confessed to being the ones to stab Troy LaFerrera. When the friend heard this, they strongly urged Miranda and Elliot to go back to the police station and provide a full confession. After some convincing, Miranda agreed to do that, and she was dropped off at the police station just before 4 o'clock in the morning the next day. While she was at the station awaiting her second interview, Miranda was completely unaware that the police had already seized her SUV and were planning to process it for any possible evidence. She began telling the officers her story about the night in question. She did admit to meeting up with Troy that night, but in her version of events, things went sour when Troy allegedly assaulted her, which, as we know, is not the truth. But she said that she always carried knives with her for personal protection, so when Troy started groping her, as she says, she stabbed him in self-defense. At no point in this confession did she ever mention anything about Elliot or that he had any part of this. She was apparently willing to take the fall, and she was subsequently arrested. But police were not convinced that Miranda would have been able to overpower Troy on her own. She was a pretty petite girl, and Troy was a big man, so they believed that she had to have had the help of somebody, and it was most likely her husband, Elliot. After Miranda's arrest, investigators really wanted to talk to Elliot more, so they asked him if he'd be willing to speak to them and tell them more about Miranda and just the way that she was so they could better understand what happened. Elliot agreed, and an officer went to Elliot's home to pick him up and drive him to the station. While they were in the car, the officer was making small talk with Elliot, and he mentioned that the street cameras in the area were so good that they could zoom in and see the faces of drivers and cars and their license plates clearly visible. It was after this that Elliot decided it was time to come clean. Maybe he knew that they were going to get caught regardless, but when he got to the police station, Elliot asked for a cigarette and said that this would be the last one he'd have as a free man. He was ready to confess. And his confession was the actual truth, which of course conflicted with Miranda's story about self-defense. Elliot told police everything. He said that he and Miranda had been planning to murder someone for some time and that he was just as responsible for the killing as Miranda was. He described in detail how he hid in the backseat of the car and waited for Miranda to give the signal for him to start strangling Troy, and then she stabbed him nearly to death before they left him in the alleyway where his body was discovered the next morning. 
He then told the officers that they went to Red Robin and ate burgers and unlimited fries right after the murder and that neither of them had any remorse for what they'd done. In a shocking admission, Elliot also said that there were two other men who responded to Miranda's offer to meet them that they were also planning to murder, but those two men never showed up for the meeting. At this point, officers were absolutely baffled and just could not believe that these two young adults had murdered a man for no reason other than they just wanted to. Elliot was then placed under arrest for first-degree murder. As if things couldn't get any weirder in this case, Miranda still had some surprises up her sleeve for the police following her confession and her arrest. In further interviews, she opened up about her childhood trauma, the sex abuse, her involvement in Satanism, and her mental health struggles but it was something else that she alleged that sent police on another wild investigation. Miranda claimed that Troy was not the first person she had killed, and in fact, he was far from it. She claimed that she was responsible for over 20 Dexter-style murders, and she said that she was actually a serial killer who had victims in multiple states, including Alaska, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. And she said that she only murdered people who deserved it, just like Dexter from the popular TV series. While she was in jail, she did an interview and said that she had this homicidal alter ego that she called Super Miranda and that she used her favorite knife to kill bad people who deserved it. According to Miranda, she killed at least 22 people, but maybe as many as 100, and she told the police that if they were to release her, she would do it again. The police and the FBI did a thorough investigation into these claims and found no evidence that Miranda was ever involved with or tied to any other murders, so officials believe that she made all of that up for attention or due to her mental health issues or as some kind of strategy for her upcoming murder trial. Those who knew Miranda, including her parents and her sister, said there was absolutely no way that she was a serial killer and the only thing that she might possibly be was a serial liar. A preliminary hearing was held on Friday, December 20th, 2013, and both Miranda and Elliot faced the court alone. Neither of them had any family in attendance, but Troy LaFerrera's family was there. Shockingly, Miranda's attorney, who was a public defender, announced at this hearing that Miranda intended to plead not guilty to the murder, and a few hours later, Elliot did the same thing. So despite having given these full confessions, they were both going with a not guilty plea. A month later, the couple was officially arraigned and the DA announced that he was seeking the death penalty for both of them. Not long after confessing to the murder and being put in jail, Miranda's mental health deteriorated even further and she became suicidal. She was placed in isolation, which her attorney was not happy about considering her mental state was already on the rocks. Miranda struggled for months and in April of 2014, she reached a breaking point. She attempted to take her own life by unscrewing the light bulb in her cell and breaking it, hoping to get a shard large enough to cut her wrist with, but none of them were big enough. When asked why she did this, she said she believed in reincarnation and she was ready for a fresh start. Around this time, spring of 2014, Miranda and Elliot learned about all the evidence that the prosecutors had against them in this case. After a lot of discussion with their court-appointed attorneys, both Miranda and Elliot decided to change their plea. On August 26, they each pled guilty to second-degree murder, which spared them both the possibility of being sentenced to death. Instead, they were both given life sentences. After all was said and done, Miranda and Elliot spoke about their experience and their thoughts on the whole thing. Miranda said she had no regrets about killing Troy, even though she knows it was senseless. She said she was ready to accept her punishment and wouldn't have wanted to raise her daughter as a murderer. 
Although she refused to acknowledge or apologize to Troy's family for taking his life far too soon, she did say that she knows that what she did was wrong and that she wants to put it behind her and help other young women who may be in the same position that she was in. By the way, if you don't really feel bad for it and acknowledging or apologizing, I don't know how you're going to help other people if you're not even really accepting what you've done. That does not those two things right. don't add up whatsoever. No. So just before being sentenced to life in prison, Elliot spoke out saying he regretted taking Troy from his family and hoped that they could find it in their hearts to forgive him. If either of the two of them felt any remorse, it was Elliot. Troy's family was allowed to read victim impact statements in court, and the letter that Troy's sister wrote perfectly captured the family's grief. Read, quote, Our family has had to come to grips with the fact that Troy was murdered for fun, strangled and stabbed. Killed as a blood bonding ritual for two individuals so twisted and sick that they do not deserve to be called human. I say that you both got lucky today. Cooler heads than mine won the day. You will not find any forgiveness here. Everyone grows up with issues. Not everyone commits premeditative murder. End quote. Gosh, I just cannot even with this case. It's so, it's just so awful to even, you just, there's no words for for this type of killing. I mean, there's no words for any type of killing, but this one is just so hard to understand and to wrap your head around because there really just was no reason. And like I said earlier, it's just hard to accept that, like that that's the reason that this yeah. man was killed. For, yeah, for their family to even have to say, we've come to grips that that's why he was killed, just for them to have fun, just for them to do this. That's a lot to take in. And yeah, and it it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're you're luring someone for no other reason than to say that you killed them or to have this experience. I don't get it. I don't believe that she killed 22 people, not with as quick no. as she went and told, you know, their friend how quickly that she told them that she killed somebody. It doesn't make any sense like if her whole MO was killing by herself and then all of a sudden she brings her husband in. It seems like a whole attention seeking or like I'll give you evidence if you'll bring me to these places just to get out of jail for a couple hours or whatever. But it just seems like an attention seeking thing for sure. But man, so sad. And it's like, oh, definitely hearing these people that come together. And then once they come together, this terrible thing happens. And you wonder if if they had never been together, would these things have happened? Or you know, what would their lives have looked like? It's just so toxic and so crazy. Right. I know. Well, the thing with Elliot, you know, he didn't have the terrible, terrible childhood that Miranda had. And a lot of people do believe that it was her who kind of pulled him into what she was getting involved right. with. And, you know, she ended up being the bad influence on him in this case. Not that it excuses right, his right. part in any of it, you know. Yeah, it's just incredibly just sad all around and just very sad how Miranda grew up and that, you know, this is the direction that her life took. And it resulted in the death of a man who had nothing to do um, with her past or with her, you know, at all. Yeah. So just so hard to understand and very, very heartbreaking. Okay, so we're going to turn the page and do our lasting before we go segment. And Melissa, why don't you explain to us this week what it is that we are talking about? So it's a play on um, what is it called? Uh, desert Island. So where you choose five things to go onto a desert island. So these are the only five like creature comforts that you get to have. So I broke it down a little bit for Mandy and I so we could do it a little more specific. So I told Mandy to choose two entertainment things, two foods, and what was the other one? Like supplies? I don't know. A survival, a survival, survival item. item. Okay. So I'm kind of thinking a little bit like naked and afraid when they get to pick something, but so you're in, we'll just say that you're in the 
we'll just do Desert Island. Let's do Desert Island. So if you're in Desert Island, okay. what are your two uh, entertainment things that you would have, Mandy? So, <laughs> I mean, this is going to sound really obvious, but I want my phone. That is the most entertaining thing that I have in my entire right. life. I don't even need a second thing. I just want to have my phone because then I can be entertained. I can read the news. I can read, you know, I can scroll Facebook. I, well, I guess I wouldn't have internet. So that would Yeah, you really, might want to have um, that, that as your great. second one. You might want to have internet. <laughs> yes, I need I need a Wi-Fi also um, tower on my island with me and my phone. Those are the only two things I need. What else even is there? I like was think trying to think. I'm like, well, what else other than my phone would I take? for entertainment but you can take a book but once you read it I mean how many times do you want to read the same book so that's not very entertaining for more than a few days but there's really nothing else as sad as that sounds what else is there that I would take for entertainment other than my phone honestly you got mine because those were the same things I picked phone and internet because I can access books on my phone if I have internet I can do that I can watch everything I'm assuming this phone comes like fully loaded with like the Peacock right. channel, which I'm now obsessed with, Netflix, yeah. <laughs> HBO Max, all of it. I want things that I don't even pay for. I want Showtime on there. I never have Showtime, but give me Showtime for this. I need it for this. So, right. I mean, we're past the days of like Rubik's Cube, like <laughs> nonsense. Like, I mean, you could take like a puzzle with you or a game or something. But yeah, what I, I just maybe I'm just a child of the new of the new world, but I just cannot world. imagine trying to have anything other than my phone for entertainment. I feel like it wouldn't. It wouldn't be entertaining. You know, my daughter is like obsessed with Rubik's Cubes and does them all the time. It Like she and I are so different because I'm like, would you like to watch a TV show with me? And she's like, I'm just trying to figure out this algorithm. I'm like, there's algorithms in Rubik's Cube? I thought you just twisted yeah. it until like there's a whole plan on it. So we are similar and very, very different. So the next two things, two foods. Now, these foods can sustain you forever. Like it's kind of like a Willy Wonka situation where you can just you won't get sick from them, you'll get the nutrients you need, even though they're not great. So basically two favorite foods that would never make you sick and you'll never get sick of eating. What would your two be? Foods or meals? Um, Whatever one you have is what we'll do. Okay. So we're going to go with eggs because I love eggs. Oh and my I eat eggs gosh, that's constantly. so boring. <laughs> I love eggs and they're so good for you. And I eat them. I already eat eggs like multiple times a day. So I love them and I would definitely have to have that. And of course I have to have avocados. You knew that was going to be one of mine. And yes, I would be happy as ever to just exist. Zero corn nuts. Eggs and corn nuts would not be a thing that would be on your list. No, no corn nuts. I do like corn nuts, but if it, if, if it's like a long term, like I have to just be stuck with this forever, I feel like I would get tired of corn nuts and I would get tired of listening to myself chew them. So <laughs> oh, all of a sudden that comes into play. Wow. <laughs> you don't want to respect other people's ears, but yours, it's too far. Um, okay. So I would go with, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite fruits, and I'm thinking like things I don't get stick up, sick of, honey crisp apples. I could eat them oh, all yum. day. They're like a dessert, but they're nutritious and they're so good. I don't know. I've just been obsessed with them and eating them all the time lately. That and... I did steak, which I know like people probably get sick of it. I don't get sick of steak. I could eat it for every meal all day long. Just the Me perfect too. Like, medium steak. rare. Oh, yeah. And then just I'm not even asking for A1 sauce on this trip. I am just assuming that it's seasoned just like I like it, which is just like a lot of salt. Nothing special. And uh, it would be. I love how you're calling being stranded on an island for eternity a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I forgot. Okay. Yeah. So things are going to be rough for me, but I can definitely eat some steak. Where is the cow coming from? I have no idea. I don't need it. We don't need right. that. Okay. Last one. What is your survival thing? You're going to hate me for mine. What's your survival thing? So 
it was really hard for me to pick one survival thing because I feel like you need a weapon or a tool of some kind, you know, like a multi-purpose tool. So that seems like the easy answer. But I hate to say I feel like I would waste my survival item on not something that I could protect myself with or hunt or do things with as a tool. I am going to be bringing along a life straw so that I can have fresh water and I don't have to um, really do a lot to hunt for it because that is like the one thing I'm always so scared of in like a survival situation is not being able to find water or not have water that's clean right, if right. you find a, a pond water or something. And that is like one of the things because you obviously have to have water. I feel like food's a little easier because you can eat. There's different things that you can eat that you don't have to like do a lot of work like hunting. I mean, there's like fruits and vegetables and vegetation and things like that. But like if you don't find water or clean water, like you're going to be in a really bad situation. So I would take a life straw and have access to filtered water, I guess. So when I, at least for a while, when I heard you <laughs> say this, I heard light straw and I was like how lazy are you that you can't even carry a heavy straw like (laughs) what's going on here I'm like wow okay a straw congratulations that's terrible you're gonna die okay that makes much more sense I didn't even know that existed oh yeah I did know that existed that's super super cool that's a really good one so mine is so pathetic this is from watching naked and afraid so somehow I got confused with naked and afraid as I made my list I would bring, this is so not a survival, it would be a survival thing for me. I would bring Bomba's socks, and this is not an ad. I would need my feet to be covered. (laughs) If you've ever watched Naked and Afraid, immediately those people, whatever, nobody brings shoes. I've never understood that. Your feet, they're they're constantly taking thorns out of their feet and stuff. If I can just have my feet comfortable, I can ignore a whole lot of things going on. So um, we should never be on a desert island ever. <laughs> no, we, we absolutely should not ever. We will have nothing to protect ourselves from wild animals or anything of the sort. No. We're just living on, we're living on eggs and, and eggs. filtered water. Eggs and socks. <laughs> it's terrible. I was going to say we should put them together and uh, figure out the super one, like what would we bring together? But I think after this list, we would just die immediately. There's just no point. <laughs> We'd scroll our phones until we died. We'd be drinking your light straw. Yeah. And I'd be looking for a cow yeah. that doesn't exist. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we would be. Um, we wouldn't. We would not do well on an island. I'm the only person um, that watches Naked and Afraid and is like, no, I could not do that. That some people are like, yeah, I could totally do it. And I'm like, I would immediately. I, I would not. tap out as soon as they said somebody has to see you naked. I'd be like, actually, no, not doing this. Not right. doing this. No, I would not. There's no way. And then the other thing I think about in the with those shows, and I do not watch Naked and Afraid. I think I've seen like one episode, but like, I feel like the one I watched. There was like so many mosquitoes or oh, they just had like so bugs much. all over them. I'm like, I just could not do being naked in the no. rainforest or in the woods and like having bugs all over me. I like, know. Someone oh, not even for a million dollars or however. They don't big even the get money. The they don't even enough. get money. Oh, what? They do it for the experience, which is such a freaking no. lie. Yeah. I'm thinking (laughs) Naked and Afraid is the show that I swear to you, like my son has done like a bajillion ER trips in his life. Every time Naked and Afraid is what's on the TV every single time. Like that's the only time I ever watch it. (laughs) And I'm just like, well, nothing else is going on here. So let's just hang out and watch this. But yeah, that where I would think what's the big furry? What's the um, oh, gosh. What's the, the cozy, comfy? It's like a blanket for you. A slanket, not a slanket. What's it called? You know, the thing that you've... Uh, snuggie. A snuggie. I would just bring a snuggie. And the person would be so pissed yeah. that was paired with me that I would yeah. <laughs> not bring a knife. They'd be like, I brought a lighter. I'd be like, well, I brought a snuggie. I don't know what you're going to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this took some turns, but that was fun. All right. Sounds good, Melissa. I think we have done enough damage here this yeah, week. I agree. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, guys. We will see you back next week. Same. Um, wait. You got it. Oh, I believe in you. Same time. Same place. New story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.